0: Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the Ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by.
1: Hello, my name is Isabel, and. This is Agnes.
0: So, without further ado, the girl Taku today will be about anime that we find overrated. Ooh! I know that this is a pretty contentious topic at times, especially since uh, we actually made an episode about over uh, anime that people consider overrated that we actually loved a lot. So, um, so, we're going to do the flip side today and talk about anime that had great acclaim, but we personally consider it to be very overrated anime. Uh Agnes, you will start us off this uh today, which is funny because I know that you are lined up and revved and ready to go. So (laughs) (laughs) um hit us with your worst. Which uh anime do you want to talk about that you think are overrated?
2: But before I leap into that, I want to apologize to the fans who like these shows. I'm not targeting you, I'm just targeting the series themselves. So if you are part of the fan base, Power to you for loving these shows as they are. I'm just critiquing the actual show itself and why I see them overrated. The first one I'm going to start off with is actually one that's very well beloved in the anime community and for a lot of people who are uh, who started anime from an earlier point of time, and that is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And now I know, like, there's a lot of people who are just probably like seething in their seats right now because JoJo's very beloved, but I want to point out that. I actually watch a good chunk of JoJo. I was in, I think, my third year of college. I had a lot of friends that liked JoJo's and I told them, "Okay, I am going to use my entire spring break and I'm going to binge as much JoJo as possible. Here's the breakdown. And I actually provided them a schedule of how I was going to watch JoJo's and hopefully try to at least get up to part four or five during my spring break. Unfortunately, uh, my attention tapered off quite a bit up until part three, um, and at that point, I had to ask myself several times, "Why do people like JoJo's?" And I considered it to be quite overhyped, despite coming in with a lot of um, a lot of people praising it for its good storytelling or like really creative ways of implementing power structure.
0: So, you are a very brave woman, because... I I am a very brave woman, I
2: know. (laughs) I I am very brave.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Granted, uh, I will not speak to this anime, because I have not watched it, per se, um... The particular style, uh, like the art style for JoJo's is just not my taste, so that's why I never watched it, and so I'm not going to say on my thoughts because I don't have any right to talk about my thoughts. But Isabel, have you seen JoJo's, or are you in the same boat as me?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I have actually tried to start it. It's it's been on my watch list for a while, and I, I did start it at one point. But I think I don't. I either I either started off with the wrong part, or <laughs> I don't know what I was watching or something. It just I didn't understand what was going on, and I, I was like, I'll come back to this later. And it's been maybe four yeah. or five
2: years. <laughs> <I'll come back>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it honestly feels like that because I was talking to a couple people about like JoJo's, and one of them was like, "Well, you're currently at." Uh, actually, it was James from the anime from the anime training staff, Dio. Dio in this case, he was telling me like, well, you do, you could probably skip the part that I'm currently on and just move on to the better parts of the JoJo series, which has better acclaim from the fans. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, when you're an anime watcher, you kind of have to be a completionist at one point. Like you have to watch at least most of the seasons in order to move on. So you can at least understand the plot of the characters, right? So it feels strange to try to like skip around. And so then After years of just like sitting on that one season, you're like, oh, man, I should really catch up with it. But also, where's my motivation to do so?
0: So I guess like uh, in regards to uh, Jojo, what is it about it that you do not like? Like you said it it just bored you or, you know, like, why did it bore you? Like, you know, give give us the deets on this.
2: (laughs) So it, the main deets is, I think, the really elongated plot structure that they do in part three. Part one is very, like, typical of the time that when Jojo was first illustrated as a manga. Hits a lot of very um typical, like, Victorian romantic-esque tropes. You know, there's a dance on distress. There's, like, two boys who are fighting over each other for power. Um, And then season two is a lot snappier. It's a lot more entertaining. But then season three really kind of like slows down quite a bit where you really don't know where the plot structure is going to go and things get weirder and weirder. I don't mind weird. I'm the girl who harps nonstop about Golden Kamui. So you would think that I would like JoJo's. But JoJo's for some reason, it's weird to the point that I don't understand it. And it doesn't give much relevancy to the plot, in my opinion, which is why like I just sitting here and I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, I don't know how this logic works half of the time.
0: I see. So why do you think it's such a big hit then? Like people adore JoJo. So there's got to be a reason why if you if you find like, you know, the um if you find like sort of the powers and the the sort of the convoluted plot is confusing. Like I'm pretty like there's got to be something else going on, right? <laughs>
2: So with the revival of JoJo's, especially in the late uh, in the late two thousands, because this is a show, this is a series that started, I think, what back in the nineteen eighties or nineties. Nineties, yeah. Um. So first of all, you have a very niche fan base, kind of similar to how Fate Stay Night started out, where it's like really obscure; nobody really knows about it. Uh, the second thing is that it has some very wacky things that happen in it, which allows the audience to go like. I've never seen this done in anime before. And it keeps them kind of rooted because anime is also known for wacky, but Jojo's Bizarre Adventure takes it to an even bizarre, more bizarre level than what anime currently is uh, advertised on the market. So a lot of people are really drawn to that weird, hyper-realistic element that just gets them really hyped for new stuff that Araki comes up with. And I think the last part about it is that it really hits the internet meme culture for people who are currently watching JoJo's. Because most of the people that I know who watch JoJo's, at least in my real life, not in anime trending, but my own actual friends, they're not all super anime fans. Mm-hmm. They're like casuals, I would guess, if that's if that's the internet term that you call them. But they really like JoJo because it's like out of this world, it's super wacky, and there's a lot of things that you can meme about and make GIFs. Which adds more relevancy, I guess, to when you're trying to relate to someone about like, oh my god, this is so funny. But in terms of like actually piecing together a coherent story and characters and making them all culminate together, it's it's not solid. Even Araki-sensei himself, actually, he states in a lot of interviews that he forgets certain plot points and characters that he creates. So... It's more of like a gag meme culture at the end of it rather than something that's beautifully crafted together. I,
0: I see, I see. And honestly, gag meme culture like anime is very, very powerful thanks to the onset of the internet and social media in particular. Um, memes are very much elevated to what many people you might even say its art. And so I can see how like yeah. that feeds right into it and thus like generates a huge fan base around it. Exactly.
2: And especially considering that oh uh, there there's a there was a topic that was going around when I was studying history at my university, how historians have now tried starting to take things like tweet like Twitter posts for instance and trying to understand how Twitter posts influence certain political uh struct uh political environments and um and real-life events that are happening. And memes, I guess, in a way, is also a way to record history as well. Mm -hmm. So with JoJo kind of evolving alongside that meme culture, it really kind of becomes like a homestay staple of what our current generation is like. You will never see, you will never go on in your life currently without seeing at least one Jojo meme.
0: Oh God, they're like everywhere in the YouTube They're like everywhere. It's
2: literally, like if you you have like an offspring or if you have like a friend from like far distant in the future is looking back at our history, they will see at least one Jojo meme, if not the same one that is repeated throughout history. So Jojo's here to stay, but it's not always everyone's taste which is interesting.
0: <laughs> so, my so my summation of your thoughts then based on what you're saying is that While you respect its ability to essentially create an extraordinarily loyal community as well as uh, feeding into the internet culture of generating meme materials left and right, by the end of the day, as a story, it's not really well thought out and put together and for that reason, you think it's overhyped because at the end of the day, when um, when you critique anime or when you judge anime for how they are, You judge them based on the story. You judge them based on the characters and you weren't getting that with JoJo's.
2: Correct, yeah. And I guess it's also to say that um, I have like throughout the years changed as an anime watcher. I don't watch things just for fun now. I watch things a lot more critically mm-hmm. and take into account of many different things that go into the production of anime and how the story develops over time. So I don't quite see JoJo's in the same lenses as other people are who are watching the show for a lot
1: of um, comedy or
2: for a lot of meme gold on the internet.
1: I also know that JoJo's is surrounded by its characters, like the characters are the strong point. You know, if you if you like one of the characters, do you think you would find the show more enjoyable? Oh no, I did. Kind of, I did. Plot?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in part two, I especially like part two because of the characters. They were really good. I really liked Joseph. I really liked Caesar. They had a really good chemistry as like platonic buddies. And it was just great. It was really enjoying to watch part two. But part three really dropped off the mark for me because I didn't like its protagonist. Um, Yeah, Jotaro Jotaro I have some issues with. Not aside of the fact that he's an edgy angst boy, but he calls his mom the dog word at the very beginning. And I was kind of sitting here thinking to myself, like, I don't know how to feel about this main character, dude. (laughs) Like, it's supposed to show, like, like, oh, I'm an edgy, cool boy who's, like, literally 16, but he looks jacked up to be, like, 32. But um, <laughs> isn't, that, I, isn't he, that the art of JoJo's as a whole? <laughs> it, it is the art of JoJo as a whole, but, like, he doesn't look 16. He doesn't look like a Japanese schoolboy who's half <laughs> and wearing a seifuku.
0: Okay, well, I mean, that is... um So that's a really interesting take because everything I've seen online has just been... Complete and utter love for Jojo, but, you know, I, once again, I haven't seen it, because the art style is just not something I'm really into, as stylized as it is, uh, which I always praise anime for being stylized, and standing out is just not my taste, so that's why that's I fair. never bothered yeah. watching it, so, but that makes sense, I think, and you're right, because there are a lot of people who are watching anime just for fun, not taking it very seriously, and I think as well as the fact that we work for Anime Trending, we do kind of have to watch anime with a more critical eye, kind of like movie critics have to. And so um, so it definitely changes our viewpoint in certain things versus other people's viewpoints. Um, so right, yeah. that's your first one, which is very brave. And you're already starting out with that one. So
2: <laughs> what the
0: heck is your second one?
2: Gracie, you're going to hate me. Uh, But my second one is going to be Demon Slayer. Uh,
0: Okay, okay. I'm (laughs) open to hearing your thoughts.
2: (laughs) So, okay, I will preface, like, when I was watching Demon Slayer, I totally understood the hype. I was, like, yelling in my scene. I was, like, cheering for all the the protagonists as they're going around slaying demons. But looking upon it retroactively, I don't think it's a show that I would hype about in terms of, like, story and characters and actively rewatch the show. I have a tendency, if I like shows, I will re-watch certain episodes and clips because I do like the nostalgia of watching them, but Demon Slayer doesn't really hit that.
0: That is interesting because I'm in the other bowl. I've re-watched so many Demon Slayer <laughs> clips. Like yeah. The one that gets me more than anything is a compilation of Inosuke pronouncing Tanjiro's names wrong. Oh, that's, but- that's,
2: that's great. That's great to watch, actually. I do like that. And there's a there's a really good YouTube clip that uh, someone made where they put demon slayer characters trying to voice the lines from Buzzfeed Unsolved, and that was really funny to watch. I really, like,
0: yeah, no, my favorite clip of you know Ske getting Tanjiro's name wrong was when he very passionately goes Kentaro, and the top comment was, "Uh, he's a little confused, but he's got the spirit," and so
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's got the spirit, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so like that, that is like comedic gold. But in terms of pacing, story, and the eventual accumulation towards the Mugen Train arc, I find it very disappointing.
0: Okay. Why why do you think... So? Why do you find it disappointing, I guess? Well, okay, first of uh, all, I didn't watch Mugen Train. So do I need to have watched it to understand? Uh,
2: no, because okay. uh, I didn't watch it, but I read a lot of reviews and I briefly read about what happened in the synopsis anyway before the movie came out. So I, I pretty much know what happens in it. Okay. Um, but let's start with season one. Most of us have seen season one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think- no. I was
0: curious because I was like, if we're going to Mugen Train, I'm gonna to have to ask you to stop. <laughs> no, no, no. We're,
2: I'm gonna briefly go over Mugen Train as one of the other. You, you'll see how it develops okay, as I it. as I try to build up my argument, as they say in debates, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first part is like. Demon Slayer is really beautiful. It's really aesthetic. It has great production design in it, and it has a great music as well. So it instantly draws in a lot of people. No thanks to the fact that for one, it's ri- uh, it's produced by Ufotable, which is no joke. Um, uh, animation is produced by Ufotable. It has what a uh, Suano for soundtrack. And it has Lisa to do the opening. So you have like these big stars. Like, I don't think it's Suano, point.
0: but I do think it's saying. uh I think it's the soundtrack composer for uh, SAO.
2: Oh oh, oh, oh. I'm dumb. Of course. It's um Kai- Yuki Kaiji. Yuki yeah, Kaiji. Yeah, there yeah. You go. Kai go. Yuki-, Yuki Kaiji. Yeah. So you have all these big names coming in and you're just like, wow, this is an amazing production put together. But if you actually look back in the manga, it's pretty sparse. The manga production for it, especially you trying to get hooked into the story, is a lot more sparse. It's only due to the fact that the animation production helped spark the immense amount of interest into Demon Slayer as a whole. Um, I remember watching, because I had read a little bit of Demon Slayer way, way, way before the anime had been announced, because it was something that had popped up on my radar. And when I went to go see the opening for it at in LA, because they had a they had a think I think a three episode opening in LA uh-huh, that was very really special. COVID was a, days, <laughs> pre COVID days, right? I know pre COVID days. I sat there and I was watching the production. I was thinking to myself, "This didn't happen in the manga." And I went back and I did like a side by side comparison because, for instance, when Tanjiro lets loose like his ability that has like all the water swirling and stuff, yeah. that's an aesthetic touch that Euphonie put on screen.
0: Well, and gorgeous in the and a great touch, in my opinion. Exactly, but, yeah. but then
2: that just that just becomes a series that is purely based on aesthetic. That's the first part. Okay. And then the second part is that as you continue progressing into the story the plot points begin to become very repetitive. It's a lot of Tanjiro and his squad versus demons, but Tanjiro is always here to save the day by being sympathetic to the demons and giving them the final blow, which I think is kind of fairly repetitive of a lot of current shonen these days, where the shonen hero, instead of being like this like badass cool guy, is now more of like the sympathetic hero. And you see it a lot in like series like Naruto and One Piece as well.
0: I, well, I was about to say, like your, your issue with this, I was like, it's kind of, Prevalent across all the boards in that case, in regards right, exactly. to exactly. So
2: that means that no shonen is exempt from it, <laughs> in sense. Okay. So I'm just saying, like now, Demon Slayer now becomes one of those eight. A- oh, not atypical. One of those shonens that's very typical, and it becomes kind of boring and repetitive. So and now,
0: I would argue though, because one thing that I would point out that I've seen people read read and point. I mean, I've read people point out is that. Tanjiro still sticks out of the shonen protagonist because while most of them, like the ones you mentioned, whether it's Naruto or even uh, Itadori from Jujutsu Kaisen, which is the newest, biggest uh, uh, shonen mm-hmm. adaptation, they try their best not to kill anyone if they can. Like, if, for example, we know for a fact that Naruto knows, like, those demons' backstories, like, he would not kill them. He would be like, join me, you know, sort of thing. But the fact that Tanjiro is able to empathize with them while still being like, but no, you guys still have to die for what you did and essentially get judged for the very wrong murders that you guys did. A lot of people like that from him because they're like, he actually is willing to take that step that... That many shonen protagonists aren't willing to take because it it makes things a little harder to swallow down, knowing that these demons have very very sad lives, and still being like, "But you have to die." And so, what do you think about that though? With that uh, with that particular um, observation from other people.
2: That's a very good observation, actually. I was thinking about it while you were saying it, and was half of me was like, I can't really refute that. But at the same time, I still feel like I could refute it, because the story could be at this point in the anime, right? I have not read most of the manga, so I can't vouch for what happens at the end. But at this point, if he's killing so many demons after knowing about their backstory, does he not ever feel any kind of confliction? And is there never a gray moral line that's drawn? Because at that point he continues to still kill demons anyway.
0: right. but isn't that the whole isn't that the whole point though is because he knows that these he wouldn't be killing these demons if he doesn't know for the fact that they've been murdering humans and
2: eating them. And so it's like yeah, but then at that point it becomes impulse no
0: like impulse how can you just to kill them?
2: Because they're influenced by the fact that they have been turned by demons. So, well, I guess like the main the main crutch of the problem now becomes is that Demon Slayer never offers an actual alternative or solution how to turn those demons back, even though that is the whole purpose of Tanjiro's journey. So, I guess like then it becomes there's a lot of plot holes too.
0: Well, I don't think they've gotten to that point. I guess is what I'm trying to say. i, I sorry, Isabel. I know it's just like it's like it can be me and Agnes discussing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, oh, I'm, sorry, sorry, yeah.
1: I'm like I'm just listening to you guys. I'm like trying to think what where where are we going with this? What happened? Uh... <laughs> and okay, I guess like I guess because now we if we if we talk about it too
2: much, we'll now discuss more about Demon Slayer than just overall. I just personally think that Demon Slayer is slightly more overhyped than what I was used for. And I and with the development of the Mugen Train arc, I didn't really like where it was going.
0: I see. Um, I cannot speak for the Mugen Train arc. I, um, you know, once again, I did not watch it, and I didn't. I am a terrible person, and I read the endings of mangas, and then I don't read <laughs> it in between. So. Um, do not judge me for it, but I know there's going to be angry people on my side. So for that, I apologize. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that is how Gracie lives uh, with spoilers. So um, I guess like I so I obviously really, really love Demon Slayer for multiple reasons, whether it is the comedy or whether whether the bar is so low, but whether it's just Hanjiro and Nezuko having
2: an actual sibling
0: relationship. <laughs> not anything else um once again the bar is so low for me but in, in that regard um but I think I think the story is simple enough where people can enjoy it and not take it seriously while adding in sort of more flavors of being like you know what do you do if or uh, adding in adding in that uh, different angle because while Tanjiro is killing these demons without a doubt his main goal is ultimately to find a cure for nezuko and he has made it clear that demons who are also fighting against their own nature um what was her name again oh shoot i forgot her name i'm terrible the uh, spider woman uh no not spider woman oh no 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 she's like a medicinal demon
2: uh, 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 uh the the, the, doctor. Yes. the doctor yeah. like yeah, yeah. her
0: like he's he obviously kept quiet about her and like didn't say anything obviously is letting her and her partner go because they're very much against they fought against their demon nature and were able to overcome it themselves in the same way that Nezuko has and so it's just like I I like that aspect of them adding the demons uh adding not just Nezuko but other demons who are able to sort of work past that who are also trying to find their humanity back and so I don't know i i personally really really liked it but isabel i know you also watched it so where do you like where are you lying in within amongst us in regards to this like do you think it is very overrated and why do you think so or if you don't think it's overrated you know go ahead
1: <laughs> i don't think it's super overrated i think it was maybe a little overhyped because i watched it i started watching it because a lot of people were saying it was great great animation and everything like that, so that's the reason why I started watching it. But when I first started watching it, I also thought there was just something missing for me, and I couldn't describe what it was. I I I feel like I still can't. It's just, I don't know, maybe like a sense of urgency or kind of uh, conflict, or like basically the threat of death. I feel like, this is probably across shounen as well, I already know that is gonna make it out alive, He's gonna somehow become stronger. There's this kind of like a like Agnes that kind of repeating arc where he trains and defeats um, more demons and stuff like that. So I can see that going on and on past the Mook and train arc. Past that, so for that became a little bit predictable for me throughout the series. I, I personally, to this day, I have not watched two episodes of Demon Slayer that I just skipped. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> oh I, I, wow. I, I really okay, should okay. not have missed those two episodes because I really like Inosuke as a character. So that's when he was introduced. And I just didn't see those episodes because of time. I, I it was I just didn't see those episodes, but I kept continue watching anyway. And I feel like I still got the full experience of Demon Slayer in a sense.
0: Yeah, that is very wow, true. Yes, okay. yes, I see that. And you know that is a you know that is a formula of the shonen stories. I do think any of us can speak to the fact that a lot of shonen anime you can. You can skip a few episodes and start uh, there, but know exactly what's going on and you're able to connect yeah. the dots. It, it proceeds a lot slower.
2: For so, yeah. sure. And I think like that critique follows with the Mugen Train arc too. I'm not going to make any spoilers, but I will say that the antagonists for the Mugen Train arc, they were introduced in season one as like a potential game changer but things did not go as planned and it feels very insignificant to their whole like their character as a whole being introduced into demon slayer
0: i see okay
2: yeah so that's why like it feels like it's very like oh tanjiro will always win at the end even though you're trying to introduce like morally gray elements like for instance demons that are uh going against their nature or demons that are trying to go against the hierarchy that they're currently situated in
0: well Uh, (laughs) I think this one will always be contentious because we're always going to have people on one side who really really loves it and adores it, me including, but I also have to admit that my loyalty to the anime is featured a little more on the characters and the actual plot per se, and I have always... Have a bigger emphasis on characters as a whole, whether I'm watching anything or writing or reading anything. So, uh, so I'm not very surprised that mine might be a little more skewed because I do tend to skew more towards characters. So, if I really like char- the certain characters, I don't mind the story as much if it gets formulaic. So, um, so I get I get what you're trying to say. And uh, Isabel, you are right. There is a, a lack of urgency because it's like. There isn't some sort of threat if Nezuko doesn't turn human within, like, a year or something like that. Like, something terrible is going to happen. It's, like, it's just, like, a constant, oh, we'll find it when we find it. And I, I totally see that
2: as well. When there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, yeah, basically.
0: Yeah. All right, so that's your two. I think you had a third one. Do you want to talk about, it or do you want to share? It no, to the let's end?
2: let's 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 keep it to the end because I want everybody else's. I want to hear everybody else's too.
0: Okay, got it. Well, um, I think it is. Oh, it's my turn actually. Uh, so, so I will talk about the two that I have. My first one kind of has. The popularity and sort of, like, uh, popularity and view of it has simmered down as the episodes had come out later. But I still want to talk about it because of the overhypeness and, like, the praise it was getting showered upon on social media in, like, the beginning. So it is Rising of the Shield here.
2: And- ah, classic. All right, all right, here we yeah, go. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, once again, this one's a little more unique because, I, uh, you know, Agnes, the two that you picked clearly have very strong followings and fandoms and hype and praise throughout the whole series, you know. But uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Hero did taper off later, especially when it came to the second core. It really tapered off then. But it doesn't change the fact that the and the first few episodes and especially the first core – I remember that there are literally only five episodes out, out of like a 2 core series, and people were already making YouTube videos about how this is the best isekai ever, you know, sort of thing. I was just like, dude, there's only been five episodes, like, where, where are you coming up with this conclusion, sort of thing. So obviously, I think part of the hype was the uh, controversy regarding the first episode, which I won't go into too much detail, because we do have... An episode planned specifically for anime controversy. So there's no way that this wouldn't get mentioned then. But I think... There was such pushback against that controversy that people tried to elevate this anime to be more special than it actually is. So I am going to start tearing it down one by one right now. So (laughs) one of the first big points that a lot of people made when they were hyping up the series is that this is a different isekai. It's a different isekai because the protagonist starts out at the lowest of the low. And he doesn't start off as a hero and, and, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot. He has to make his way up. It's a true underdog story within isekai. To which I say you are completely incorrect because here's the thing, Re Zero also features a protagonist that maybe didn't start off lowest of the low, but he certainly was not powerful either, like the other isekai protagonists. You can argue his death by return is powerful, but is it really? He has to actually die every single time in order to even have a second chance outside of that he really doesn't have anything else and if if anything i would argue that he has less than naofumi does with his shield and his magical shield and specifically what it means to be a shield saint or like a shield hero and so that so i never agreed with that argument the second thing about it is that they're like, oh, this is so unique because the world operates kind of like a game, and there's stats and stuff like that. And all right, come on, guys, like, like, how many Isekai out there actually already has worlds that's based on like a video game stat thing? I mean, I I think of uh, Grimgar of what was it again? Uh, Agnes Grimgar. Of, oh
2: yeah, uh, Grimgar. Of,
1: you can just say Grimgar. Grimgar yeah. yeah, I think it's of like Fantasy and Ash. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah isn't that world exactly that they literally had stats that they had to level up for
2: like (laughs) kind of yeah it works in a more meta sense for Grimgar but yeah
0: yeah and so I'm like so no the world is not unique in that regard and then the third thing of all is I find the story to be incredibly incredibly predictable and it's and I don't need to read the light novel to know that in fact even in the first episode when the big controversial thing happens i I, my, the synopsis I read is very good in that um, I have a, a website that I use where the synopsis are, very, also are purposefully very vague if there's like a big spoiler thing in the first episode. And so all I knew was someone close to him was getting betrayed. I knew how she was going to betray him within the first few minutes because it was just so obvious to me. And so everything about shield hero is just so mediocre and average that i do not um i just don't think it deserves all the videos on youtube being like this is the this is the new isekai the dark isekai the different isekai like i'm sorry okay. but it's not it's not
2: no. <laughs> like we haven't seen enough dark stuff in anime okay guys okay
0: <laughs> yeah exactly and and once again of course the hype has to do with the fact that there were there was that controversy But at the end of the day it's a very mediocre anime and of course people started to realize it I'm sure without a doubt especially once its popularity started to taper off and it didn't even make um, top 15 I think in our anime trending awards. It was very low. It was like one of the lowest ranked one of the lowest voted for anime within our anime trending awards but it was just that hype at the beginning that I was just like I don't know everything I see about this is incredibly mediocre and predictable and that's and that's the T. So,
1: <laughs> just wondering what the second part is. Like you said, it kind of goes down in the second part of the series, or I forget. the Second season was it?
0: Oh, so the second core, um, the popularity started to go down in the second core, and that's because it's it stopped being as edgy as the first part of the, as the first half of the series. So I I figured that was the reason why.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I feel like that first part was I guess Naofumi's character in the beginning is interesting because he's a little different than other characters he's, um yeah, definitely, I guess what people say is edgy. I watched maybe the first episode as well. It was a long episode. Um And just based off that episode, even though I liked his character, I could also see it being the same throughout the series, perhaps. Does he have a change in character at all? I mean, I haven't seen till the end, but I, I assume he mostly...
0: He does-ish, but, like, not really, per se, because it's like, deep down, he's still a good person. He's just been hurt, and he's edgy now. Gee, I wonder where we haven't seen that before. So, (laughs) I think everything about it is just so typical at the end of the day that it's surprising. I had, I basically had zero investment in any of the characters, except, ironically, at the very end where they introduce... Two new characters, and I was like, "Where have they been? I really like them." <laughs> <And> so,
2: <laughs> when you're tired of the main, seagull go to the sides, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> every yeah, every no. anime and we they're watch. They're like
0: antagonists too, so I've been like, so I now I'm like, "Where have they been? They're great antagonists." <laughs> and so. <laughs> Yeah, because also, like, mine as an antagonist is just so ridiculously boring and cartoonish villainy. You know what I mean? With their whole ha ho, like, sort of laugh and, like, I don't know. It's just, it, it's ridiculous, so so that's my first
2: one <laughs> it's kind of funny that you mentioned mine because you would think that after the anime community's been so long exposed to like these very like rich ojo samas who are actually plotting deceitful things behind your back i mean you see it in all of the dumb otome games that you play right there's always like that one villainous who does that and yet even though we see it time and time again people are so attracted to that type of stuff and those types of controversies rather than something more complicated or deep like you mentioned like the two other antagonists featured at the end of the series
0: yeah no okay so here's the, th- uh, this is going to spoilers guys but uh, but one i would say like don't i, I just squeak my rubber duck i'm sorry but
2: that's okay. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's a cute it's a cute alert. We can use that. I to just stand, like, realized I that
0: I was talking when I squeaked it, so it is gonna stay in the episode. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's okay. We'll, we'll use that as a, a spoiler alert tweet. A uh, Spoiler alert. Oh, like, yes.
0: Weep. Okay. So, yes, this is a spoiler alert. But the two antagonists that shows up at the very end of the Shiro Hero reveals that this is like a multi-world universe, kind of like how there's alternate universes. And they are their world's heroes, like the weapon heroes. I forgot. I think one was like a scythe hero and another one was like a jewel hero or something like that. I forgot. But they are heroes from another universe that exists within this realm and they realized that essentially they were fighting for resources with each other because like the the amount of like energy or power like getting siphoned off to these different universes are like dependent on like you know what what activities were happening on each of them. And so those, the two heroes um, from the other universe realized that the reason why they keep failing, they're having trouble succeeding and protecting their world, is because other universes are siphoning away that energy. And they made the very hardcore and grave moral uh, executive decision that they're just going to have to wipe out all the heroes from the other universes so that they have enough energy to protect their universe. And so, and they introduced those two at the very end. I was like, well. I'm I'm invested in that, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is a very cool plot point. That I think is super cool cuz it's very meta in a sense. And actually a couple of other isekai's have started to kind of talk about like the parallel universes and other worlds that they're talking about. I think like for instance um the one where it's like the uh the the the, the one isekai where like the hero has like an unlimited power and he's paired with like a sentence that's kind of like aqua Mm -hmm. from konosuba what Mm -hmm. is it called Mm -hmm. the one where the hero's like super jacked
0: oh gosh i don't know
1: Uh, (laughs) overlord or
2: Uh, it wasn't overlord it wasn't Overlord. it was another series it's the comedy one where like there it happened it had an ending where like nobody expected it to happen Mm -hmm. he died i think at the end what (laughs) oh uh not sure (laughs) I don't recall the name right now. I'm sorry if I spoiled anything for you guys. Um, but in that show, like at the very beginning, they talk about how like they contract heroes into the universe. So I think that's like what's the interesting part for SHIELD HERO for you, Gracie, is that they're introducing a much more different take of the isekai and introducing all these meta mechanics. Mm-hmm. But I definitely agree that SHIELD HERO was very overhyped. At the beginning with The Edge Lord. And I probably want to say that it's because a lot of people were originally influenced by the manga and the light novel that came out first.
0: Mm, I, because that, is it I read
2: the manga. I read the manga uh, up until a certain point. I actually don't remember where I stopped. But it was definitely one of like, it was, the manga was starting to be scans late and I think published around the same time that Isekai's really took off. Mm-hmm. So people had a lot of high expectations coming into it. But now looking at it retrospectively, the beginning plots is very like typical edgy boy, not very interesting. Yeah. Overall. And I, the controversies don't make it any better.
0: Yes. And I do want to point out, I have read from more neutral people on this in this regard, is that um they're light novel readers, and they said that the anime adaptation actually didn't do a good job of adapting the light novel because now for me, now for me has a lot of internal monologues in the light novel. Obviously, novels you are, you can write monologues yeah. for a lot easier, and uh, because of some some of the decisions they made in adapting, they even they admit that now for me is a lot more one dimensional than he's written in the light novel series. And so, in fact, they even said they don't they didn't enjoy the anime because of that. So, um so I wouldn't be surprised if this was a case of. The original source material is better and the anime adaptation just didn't do a good
2: job, so. I I definitely agree with that sentiment as well. Because I felt like I was more pulled into the story while reading the manga. Like I felt more sympathy for to Naofumi and to Raftalia's cause to like be by his side. The anime just kind of feels like somebody's whining for his mom.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, so that's my first one. Um, my second one is going to come into a bit of a direct argument with you again, Agnes. So, um, All right, give it to me. Okay, so I think the Fate series is overrated.
2: <laughs> oh, yes, 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 I completely agree with you. The Fate what? series is overrated. I definitely agree. There are a lot of very contentious things about Fate, as much as I love the idea of. Things being turned into supernatural spirits and like playing off of history as different alternative identities. The Fate series is a mess, period. It's an absolute horrific I mess. I am that-
0: shocked, guys, because Agnes is a huge fan <laughs> of the Fate series. Like, I want yeah. was- her to agree with me.
2: <laughs> you know, after playing Fate Grand Order for five straight years and consuming so much Fate material, I've come to realize that actually there's a lot of grave errors in Fate that I also don't agree with as well. So, Take it away, Gracie. So,
0: uh, my thing with the Fate series is I've tried entering it multiple times. I've watched many of the different series, but... The mechanics of the world in the exposition is so ridiculously heavy for me that it yep. actually makes my head hurt. <laughs> and so
2: and Oh there, don't worry, same here.
0: Okay, <laughs> and so and there's so many characters on top of all these exposition. And I'm just like, this this is this is not working, especially for a media that you watch you know it's a lot easier to read them perhaps and and this is why once again novels can get away with a lot of monologuing and a lot of narration because you are reading them but when you're watching them, it's a completely different feeling. And I'm just getting fed information after information after information after every episode, and meeting all these characters, and then flipping back and forth. And there was like different timelines as well. And by the end of uh-huh. it, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't uh-huh. know what the f is going on anymore.
2: And so- I don't blame you. I 100% don't. blame Which is why, like, I never. Inter- I tell people, like, oh yeah, my favorite show is Fate Zero. But I never recommend people to actually hop into it. Okay,
0: so then why is it so big? If you're in agreement with me,
2: <laughs> the reason why it's so vague is we can blame it mostly on its creators who created the visual novels. Uh, Nasu Takaruchi is, a, yeah, Nasu is incredibly known for being very pedantic. In the translations for the visual novel and his explanation in general for the world lore if you look up any fate wikipedia site like fate wiki and try to get an explanation on certain powers like maybe one character has you will literally sit there and try to paraphrase everything that you've read because there's no such thing as a concrete definition it's very abstract to the point that it makes sense in takeuchi's head and everybody who tries to explain it to somebody else will just parrot his words. That's the problem. The problem is that there's already no logical, like, solid explanation of, let's say, what's a counter spirit or, let's say, what is a noble phantasm? And then people just keep spouting off the same things that he says. And you're just like, well, I still don't understand. Everyone's still at in like ground zero at that point. So
0: why does everyone like it if everyone doesn't understand? <laughs> because it's
2: one of those things where people think that it's a very big brain IQ type play. there's a lot of discussion on the internet like you know how like there's a meme of like i have like a 200 iq of x y and z and i can understand this series it's a very inflated ego type of thing on the internet and the fate series specifically feeds into that because it has an extremely small population when the visual novel came out so people who are staying in that niche are just like oh i have a bigger h um iq i am smarter i understand what's going on so you can't enter the fandom and it becomes a lot of gatekeeping but with newer entries coming out like let's say fate apocrypha or although it's a very terrible adaptation i will say uh it drew in a lot of people because people are watching it from netflix um and then if you're playing Fate grand order it's a great introduction into the actual game because it's so simplified it's not even remotely related to any of the other series it just has characters so people end up Finding ways to get into the fandom anyway without needing to be gatekeeped by these people who are just like I have a big brain. Ha! Huh. <laughs> that is the hot take, and actually, most people would agree with that too. Every like every time I have a question about the Fate universe in terms of its definition, I go look it up online. Everyone says the same thing the Fate of page says, and I'm like, this is not helping anybody.
1: Huh. Wow. Yeah, I can kind of see that too. Well, when I watch the Fate series, I. Kind of didn't question anything. Maybe Castle, because I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> so <if> you don't, <laughs> it's one of those things you can't question it. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't question it, I think you're okay enjoying the series, no matter which avenue you enter in. For me, as as a as a person who watched the original Fate series and went on to like Unlimited Blade Works, I think I do agree. The franchise has grown so big that I don't even understand it anymore, and I don't even try watching the other things because I kind of want to keep one timeline. And not jump into any other timeline. Because those get confusing too. Because I <laughs> want to- They get know. very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's definitely hard to keep them all together if you're trying to consume the whole world, honestly, I feel like.
2: Yeah. Nasu also, there's a very infamous uh Reddit page that somebody a uh, Reddit image that somebody posted about all the different Nasu storylines and how all the characters from all of his different series kind of line up and match to each other. And that's already very confusing to look at. So if you're asking why, Gracie, fate is so hard to get into, you can blame on its creators and the fact that the story itself doesn't do itself any justice.
0: Well, I will never enter this fandom <laughs> to say that. And least. that is
2: okay. That is that is completely fine. I don't disagree with you. There are some really good um, light novel spinoffs of the series that I think do a very good job of explaining their mechanics and their take of the fate universe. So... Uh many of us have here have watched like Durara or Bakuno, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Narita uh Ryoga Narita, who wrote the series, actually wrote a fate stain uh, a fate a fate spin-off series called Fate Strange uh Fate Strange Fate, which is actually very well done, I think. Um so there are some instances of that. But in terms of the main storyline and the characters and all the mechanics, it's fairly messy.
0: Well, I shall not harp onto it any longer because I've harped onto (laughs) it before, but that is my final thoughts on the Fate series and why I think it's overrated. And it turns out even Fate fans agreed. I'm
2: going to get canceled.
0: I think the three of us are like uh, the girls like I feel like our personalities We just don't care if other people are angry with us. I don't know. I feel like that's just how we operate Isabel, your t- I mean this whole episode is like an episode set up for potential cancellation. Let's be honest here
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, Isabel, your turn which anime do you find overrated?
1: yeah I try to think of a couple and I was telling Agnes earlier I really only have one that I think is overrated that I actually watched, okay, and uh, yeah, continuing that episode cancellation possibly to uh due to this episode um that would be sorted out of online for me oh! <laughs> okay, polarized. okay, okay, bring in heat yeah, it's highly polarized i I mean when it first came out and everything, a lot of people uh you either hate the series or you love it to death, I guess. And, uh, I, at first, I was one of those people who hated the series, honestly, when it started out. Um, I was excited to watch it, um, when it came out in 2012. Uh, and I'm talking about the only like the first SDL series. I'm not talking about every, anything else that has come after. And I, I, for me, mostly the time skips in that first, in that first part of the series, as well as kind of like the plot holes in the series. Oh, yeah, 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 kind of, yeah. kind yep, of, kind yep, of, yep, for yep, me. Yep. 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 <laughs> I 100% agree. Um, yeah, because when I came into the series, I kind of wanted it to be like what we mentioned before—maybe something like Grimgar, uh, where you know Kirito kind of builds up uh, going up the tower, or something like Tower of God, where he goes up the levels. Because the idea behind the story is that you have to defeat the boss after 100 levels. But we just go ahead and skip. Like we're you know he episode one. He defeats the boss at level 75, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> Exactly. So he just becomes overpowered and there's nothing wrong with being overpowered, but being overpowered within two to three episodes, I I wasn't so sure of that. And he becomes, and he stays overpowered throughout the series as well. So I I couldn't really get behind Kirito as a character. Um, you you know, he's supposed to be this kind of like cool, distant character, even though (laughs) in real life, he's supposed to be kind of like one of those uh, people who are kind of, um, antisocial kind of, uh, you know, kind of distancing himself from the world and only focused on games type of person. So, um, that's one. Uh, the other thing is also kind of its treatment of female characters. I thought Asana was a great character, especially in the first half of the series, mm-hmm. because, I because, you know, she's like second in command of the guild. She's super strong. And I thought, oh, this is cool that, you know, she can actually fight alongside Kirito, defeat bosses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. But no, my expectations are defeated in the second half when she <laughs> literally turns into a, the damsel in distress, and I kind of lost respect for her, like characters in the series or female characters also just introduced as love interests for Kirito, and he doesn't really care about them. So mm-hmm. I can't say it's a real harm, but it kind of looks like one um, to me at least. In I think it still yeah. kind of
0: is because they are all into him, even if he's not
1: into them. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah it's just so weird that all these characters are introduced but they're you know they, their main focus becomes kirito or something like that i mean that's not all the characters but for the majority of the characters i feel like that's the reason why they're introduced uh, to just move the story along and those are the main reasons why um i didn't find sort of online uh, you know it's not i don't think it's the greatest anime as in like a 10 out of 10 or something mm-hmm. but it's definitely not a one either because i feel like the animation and the you know kind of like the world building and the and the concept itself is very very interesting. I was very attracted by that. Um, but you know, more for the plot and the characters to kind of fail in that aspect in that aspect kind of bring it down for me a little bit.
0: I think I you're. Agree. Oh, yeah. No, I was about to say, like, I think I think you're absolutely correct. And I was also on I'm with you, Isabel. I remember the extreme hype and praise when uh, SAO was coming out and I was just like, "Ah, am I the only one who feels like it's fine? Like, you know, I don't I don't think it's amazing, but I don't think it's terrible, you know, sort of thing. And the good news is uh, for your information is the author admitted to the fact that his female characters aren't the best and how he has uh, used sexual assault sort of as drama drama to like sort of further the story per se for the female characters and had resolved himself to do better. So, I mean, that's a little bit of good news, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, especially if the author didn't admit that. I, yeah, I think, yeah, it was written there like the first – part of the series was kind of rushed in a sense because you know um i believe the author was just writing it to write it it wasn't really thought out or you know even reworked in the anime series where which it could have been and i've heard of alicization is kind of uh what i what a lot of people expected to see in the first part of the series so mm-hmm. i might give that a shot because you know i'm hoping that the author you know has kind of worked on that and worked on the characters a little bit more that it would be really really great to see
0: I am sorry to tell you, though, that alicization still included, like, a sexual assault scene. And Mm -hmm. this time, it is not the author's fault because that was not in the light novels and the anime decided to add that in. So, I just want to make that clear.
2: SMH to the production team. Come on, guys. You can do that. Yeah, better. I know.
0: I like, I, I when I saw that happen, I was like, oh, this poor author. Because this time, like, he meant it when he said he was going to try to do better. And he did not add any more after that. But the anime was like, nope, we're going to add that in.
2: So <laughs> if Alicization is not your cup of tea because of how they ruined it with that extra uh, non con scene, you could definitely wait until Sorta Online Progressive comes out.
0: Yeah, people were really excited for that.
2: Yeah, I actually read a bit of the light novel at the Barnes & Nobles near my house because they had started uh, publishing it. And it's actually really nice, especially if you are if you were wanting that um, that fantasy world mechanic build into it. Because they really talk a lot about leveling and how they acquire their different skills. And they focus it more on Asuna, too, rather than Kirito.
0: That would explain why the posters oh. are have all been Asuna instead of Kirito. Yeah.
2: It's mostly, I believe, it's mostly about Asuna and her development from a very newbie player, like everybody else was in sort of online when they were trapped, up until becoming a uh, second in command for one of the biggest raid party guilds.
0: Oh, hey, see, Isabel, yeah. the author is making good on his, on his I, promise.
2: If I, <laughs> I if I recall, that is the plot. I could be wrong, but definitely check it out if you're more into the mechanics and you wanted to like learn more about the characters. I will also say like the mangas are actually not too bad too, because that's how I got into the sort of online uh, uh, community as well, was through the original manga rather than the anime, because the anime features some very dubious things, but the manga's a little bit more fleshed out, I would say.
1: Oh, that's nice to know. Yeah, I might give that a shot then, because yeah, that's definitely what I was looking for. And yeah, it's nice to possibly see a character focus on Asuna, because you kind of want to see how these characters got to where they were especially like for gamers in a sense. Yeah. Cause a lot of people connect to it because they play games too. I want to be stuck in a VR world. Maybe sometime. Um, uh,
0: I would not, but okay. <laughs> 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 I will only go into a VR world. If the VR world is animal crossing. So.
2: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's mm-hmm. fair. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's not bad. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, Isabel, in regards to like what you think had made Sao overrated. And um, the I guess the good news is the author has said that he wants to make improvements. He hears these critiques, and he actually did listen to them, based on what I have read from people who read the light novel series. So, at the very least, we have an author who understands the critiques about like his story, rather than just sort of doubling down on, um, you know, on him being like, on on his story, on the areas that people have had a lot of questions about. So, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it has a fair share of flaws and, you know, the plot twists or plot holes. um, But, you know, it it definitely has a good concept moving forward and possibly along with this animation as well. um, It'll definitely carry on.
0: Yeah. So um, I think we have a bit of time left to discuss, uh, Agnes, your third one, if you want to if you want to, tr- uh, yeah. if you want to do it,
1: <laughs> yeah, if you want to quickly right, do it. I, all right,
2: um, I'm going to be in the the this is fine gif as everything is flaming around me okay. because on one side I have the JoJo fans screaming at and the Fate fans screaming at me, and now I have the Yuri and Ice fandom screaming at me Ooh, because girl. in <laughs> retrospect, Yuri and Ice was rather overrated. Now I did really enjoy it when I was watching it in high school with my girlfriends. We had a we had a blast. We marathoned the whole thing. You are thing.
0: just hating yourself up to dry today. <laughs>
2: I, I I will take I will take it I will take it I think you're in ice although it has a fantastic production and the buildup for sports anime at the same time if you if you take away all the hype and everything it's the story's kind of banal I would agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you, you just kind of watch it and you're like oh it doesn't feel like high key where like there's true stakes there's true 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 stakes mm-hmm. right yeah. But Yuri and Ice feels kind of like, oh, okay, well, maybe Yuri needs to compete against Yurio, but there's no real rivalry. It's more of like, oh, if you continue skating, the Victor will prove that I am a capable coach and that you can make it big kind of thing. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, question mark. I think the pacing Um, is
0: what threw me off the most about the series. uh, Pacing's
2: odd. Mm -hmm. The pacing's very odd. And I think what also threw me off the most is that... When I was watching it, it was still very early on that I was starting to accept BL a little bit more because Mm -hmm. they were still having some slightly non-con things in there that I wasn't okay with at the time. right? Um, So I'm just kind of like side-eyeing it. I'm like, was it really worth the hype? Was it really worth sweeping the Crunchyroll Awards? I don't think so. (laughs) There were better shows out there for sure. Um, So that's my hot take on Yuri and Ice at least.
0: I um so I actually hated it. <laughs> I was one of the oh good great we we
2: we can agree on something. Actually, we agreed. There's two things today. Nice.
0: <laughs> okay, so but my hate was I I want to apologize for my hate because my hate was largely fueled by the fandom, and not by the work itself. Um, oh, I okay, I, the fandom was annoying me so much with how I uh, was there not only gushing about Victor and Yuri but being but also being like this is the best relationship in anime ever period and I was like I don't know I'm feeling some power imbalance between these two in regards to in regards to the relationship that I'm a little concerned about and so and they and they're so proud if they like crashed a website because of like posting Yuri on Ice stuff and they're so proud if they like especially on Tumblr if they bullied someone off of the website for for not liking the anime and stuff like that and uh, and you know th- this could be this is not a commentary on cancel culture but overall I really just don't side with the idea of bullying anyone period I think that's just really really wrong and so when they were so proud about it it gave me such a it gave instead of rose colored lenses it gave me like black colored v- v-
2: lenses, you know? <laughs> <Black-colored> lenses. <laughs>
0: yeah like, like, like everything was darkened and a- I- everything I saw I nitpicked the Crap out of because because I was just so annoyed with the fandom and the community and I just wanted to be like your anime is the worst and so I apologize for that because I was getting swept up by that particular community and I also realize now that um, a lot of the community at that time were teenagers and they are not teenagers anymore and they're adults and I actually see them online being like oh yikes like my behavior back then was not okay and. You know, that's what happens when you go from teenager to adult. You realize your teenager years weren't that great. You weren't that great of a person. And uh, that allowed me to re-watch Yuri on Ice, where, I, where now I stand firmly in the fact that it's an important piece of work for LGBTQ communities, for sure. You know, introducing an LGB, uh, a gay couple within a sports genre with no BL, yaoi sort of tags. I think that is incredible incredibly incredibly important and also canonizing that within the media but I think storytelling wise the pacing is still very uh still very off at times sometimes things happen too slowly and sometimes things happen too quickly and uh and at the same time the it, it's like you said there wasn't so much of a risk feeling which is really quite important aside from slice of life uh anime, which you know, exist for the sake of not feeling as much risk. But uh, sports, when competitiveness is is this the heart of what's going on, you you do have to feel some sort of risk, and it's harder, and it was harder to feel it, especially in comparison to other sports anime. And so, uh, so I do agree with where, what you're saying in regards to. I still think it was overrated in regards to how people. And how people looked at it. And I will even say that there are plenty of other gay couples who, who have come out in anime afterwards that I absolutely love and support and and adore more than Victor and Yuri. I think they're a lot more healthy and a lot more uh, shippable, in my opinion. But, uh, but, it, but it's just like, it's a strange dichotomy of it made a big impact and it was an important impact and it's a positive impact but it swept people up into thinking like this is standard gold when it actually isn't. So
1: yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, the fandom definitely shaped it um, back then, especially if you were seeing it or just all the hype on Twitter or, you know, Facebook or just posts in general about the series. And yeah, coming to it as a sports anime fan, it, I didn't get the sports anime type thing I wanted from it. So I kind of had to take a step back and say, oh, this is more about, you know, kind of like slice of life type of thing or um, or maybe Sometimes it had its own comedic moments that were kind of jarring for me a little bit, but I couldn't think much of it because I was like, well, everyone else likes it. Maybe I should like it, too. Or, you know, or just like kind of savoring those moments between Victor and Yuri as well. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely agree. I was, It was a little, um, a little overhyped at the time, definitely, for sure.
0: Ooh. Well, um, I wonder how we're gonna come out of this unscathed by the release of this episode. Uh, For everyone, for everyone listening, I do want to reiterate that these are our opinions. We are not asking you to take these opinions, and we absolutely respect you guys. If you do sincerely love this anime, these animes that we've discussed, there is absolutely no shame in it, and we will. And like, we don't see anything wrong with you guys loving these sort of animes. We're just saying, like, these are our thoughts, and our opinions, and you are absolutely free to disagree with us. So uh, I hope you guys aren't too mad from listening to this episode. And I hope you guys will still be here next week, but, you know, thank you all for listening along, and I will see you guys later. Bye, everyone.
2: All
1: right,
0: bye.